Hello, Chinyamaji family. This is your host, Mark Karaki. Super excited to be bringing you yet another episode of the podcast. And this week, we continue in the same vein that we have in the last couple of weeks, which is around uh, VC and investors in our ecosystem. And this week's episode is a true game changer. Our guest is an investor who, over the last 15 months, has invested in 24 Nairobi-based startups. Yeah, you heard that right. 24 startups in 11 months. Yosuke Yamawake, who goes by the abbreviated version of his name, Rio, is a fund manager at Keppel's Fund, a Japanese venture capital uh, fund that entered the Nairobi market in August of 2018 and proceeded to make their first investment in December of the same year. This is precisely what the Nairobi startup ecosystem has needed, a seed stage investor who moves fast and supports entrepreneurs effectively. Keppel's Fund is the match that is going to light up the Nairobi startup fuse and the fireworks, I can tell you, will be glorious. I have personally looked at his portfolio and these are startups that I would personally invest in. Most of them are. Shout out to Harry Online, uh, founder Rita Oyer, who's part of that portfolio. But there are so many exciting uh, entrepreneurs who are part of this portfolio and what Rio is doing with Keppel's Fund is, is, is unprecedented and so timely for our ecosystem. What an exciting time to be in Africa. Enjoy the podcast. Hi, guys, doing Chini Magic family. This is another episode of the Chini Magic podcast. And this week we have an amazing gift for you guys. We have the one and only Rio Suke Yamawaki. Yeah. I want to make sure I say that. But you go with Rio. Rio, yes. Which is much Rio's, easier. Much easier to order. Yeah. Yeah. Ryosuke Yamawaki. Ryosuke Yamawaki. Yeah. yeah. So Ryosuke is the fund manager at Keppel Fund, right? Which yep. is a, a local VC here in Nairobi and with a Pan African thesis. Yep. We also invest in Nairobi, I believe. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what you guys do? What is Keppel Fund and what, what do you guys do? Yeah, so Keppel, is this video recording too? Or yes, just, it's recording. They can oh, see sorry. You. Okay, hello. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so Keppel is a Jap- Japan backed uh, seed focused PC. And then we, pre- it's pretty new. We started last December. And then uh, we have invested pretty much many um, deals since we started. I think much more than any other VCs. That's how, kind how of, many deals have you done? Uh, so we have done twenty-seven so far. Twenty-seven deals. Yeah. Since December twenty. Twenty eighteen. So it's eleven months. Eleven. Eleven months. Wow. Eleven months. So even wow. this, this on a year. So we make deals like yeah, more than two per year per mm-hmm. per month, mm-hmm. and yeah. So we are managing uh, about ten million US dollars. 10 million. 10 million startups. Okay. Yeah, as a whole. Right. Uh, we are running two two separate funds. So the first fund is for was was and is focused on East Africa because I'm based here. Mm-hmm. And then we made investments. So with that East African fund, we made uh, 24 investments so far, 23 in Kenya and one in Uganda. Mm-hmm. And then recently we started investing in West Africa too. Okay. Um, we hired another manager for the West African fund. And that fund also has five million starters, and for that one we made three so far. Mm-hmm. And he's gonna that manager in West Africa is gonna make another three or four by the end of this year. And I have like five to six deals to close by the end of this year, so it's gonna be more than thirty, like thirty six, thirty four, thirty five by the end of this year. So it's it's pretty fast. It's pretty fast. That's yeah. pretty amazing. This is very unprecedented for our market, and uh, I'm very excited about what you guys are doing. Um, 
because it has been the bane of our existence here in terms of not having not having uh, entrepreneurs not having access to funding that is efficient, effective, like what you guys are doing. So congratulations for what you're doing. You've completely changed the game and super excited to have you on the podcast. And, you know, just a quick question for you before we kind of get into your background. Like, was this what was this your plan? Was this a thesis? Why you, did you have a goal to invest in 30 startups in the first 12 months? Yeah, um, so it's kind of, it you know, um, we, we had a loose plan. Um, we don't plan many things. <laughs> we are entrepreneurial. We are entrepreneurial in many in many Respect, ways. Yeah. yeah, in many yeah in many aspects. Mm-hmm. First of all, um, so we are we are uh, we had three partners, including me, mm-hmm. uh, me and uh, another partner in Tokyo and another partner in West Africa. Right. And then all of them are kind of entrepreneurs. I'm running my own fintech startup right now, so I'm an entrepreneur at this moment. That's awesome. Yeah, and also my partner in Tokyo is also an entrepreneur. He is running a Series A tech company in Japan too. So he's an So you don't have a lot of time to kind of be doing yeah. twiddling your thumbs and talking philosophically about is this a great investment to scale across Yeah, so Funos. So so our, our thesis is Funos. Funos. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we are entrepreneurial and also yeah, as like as you said, like we are also trying to like experiment a new model in VC. Mm-hmm. Um, so the model we are trying to do here is not like it's not something that is unseen elsewhere. Mm-hmm. It's been tested in other markets, especially in Southeast and Asia. Mm-hmm. And we are trying to replicate that model, mm-hmm. but it's new because it's never uh, it has never tested in Africa. Right. But we are the first one to test it, so we are entrepreneurial. Right. And yeah, in terms of number, uh, we don't have a specific number that we wanted to hit, but we had a notion that we have to spread our bet. As much as possible, right. and then uh, we started with the East African fund, which is five million US dollars. Right. So notion is that at least maybe we want to hit maybe forty deals. Five mil, forty deals in five million. In five million. Five million dollars. Yeah, five million dollars. So okay. like maybe we. So our notion, our idea was maybe we will do a hundred k on average, mm. and then deducting management fee, maybe mm. we can make forty. Mm. Um, Forty deals mm-hmm. in in the whole fund, mm-hmm. and now because we added another fund which is the same size, so mm-hmm. we can do another forty. But still, but now we are making, and we 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 changed our strategy a little bit. Uh, though we said like maybe forty, but now we want to hit more than that. Maybe by the end of the the East African fund, we want to make maybe fifty five something like that, because we realized as we started when we started. Uh, of course, we are new. I'm new. I was never uh, with investor before, so I was not even confident that I could find any fundable deals. Mm-hmm. But uh, maybe after six months, I realized that oh shit, there are so many good startups, right. and then there's not enough money to support them. Right. So actually, right now, I'm in a position to have too many deals, too many good deals. I, I would say. Wow. So we don't want to miss out the opportunities to have the next African right. unicorn <laughs> or gazelle or whatever you <laughs> whatever call it. <laughs> Or lion or, lion or Simba. Or yeah, I like Simba, by the way. <laughs> yeah, Simba is pretty good. Simba. Pretty good. Original. But anyway, so we, we, are, we are not afraid of making, uh, making, mistake, making a mistake in the sense that uh, our portfolio companies go under. It's okay. That's it's the, part of the game. That's part of the game. Uh, what we are afraid of is missing, missing out. out. Yes, that's why we want to spread a bet. So we decided, recently we decided to even go lower. Like even the ticket size, maybe we will go a little bit lower, like mm-hmm. maybe 50k, mm-hmm. but we make investment even quicker. 
Awesome. So even even this month, I made a decision within two months, two, two weeks. I made I had a meeting with a with another one newsletter, and we we made a decision within two weeks, and we're going to disperse pretty soon. So. Okay. So you touched on the ticket size. So a couple of things I want to I want to ask. So, your ticket size, is been it seems like it's been evolving. Where did it start? What was the range of the investment uh, range that we were looking at? So yeah, um, when we started, uh, we said maybe it's from fifty k. To maybe 300k, okay. but maybe yeah, we, we thought that most of them are in the range of 50k to 100k, okay. and then it and also and and for the first maybe five to six deals, they're either 50k or 100k. Most of them are actually 50, yeah, 50 or 100. Okay. Yeah, that's what happened to the first uh, five or six deals, mm. and after that, uh, we kind of increased the kind of. The upside of mm. the range to so the, the the largest amount that we made so far was a half a million, mm-hmm. and this is because um, first of all we can do it. Mm-hmm. We we have no restriction actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just three guys, three random guys mm-hmm. running this VC fund. There's nobody behind us mm-hmm. who who can poke us. So mm-hmm. we can <laughs> we can do <laughs> it. Whose money is this stuff? Uh, this money is coming from super super high net worth individuals in who don't care like a, even about their money. They just wow. put the money on the table, and right. after that they don't care. Wow. Yeah. Take take this and play around with this money. See what happens. You see what happens. It's a great so opportunity. <laughs> it's the best money you want to touch. <laughs> so we are so lucky to tap into that kind of money. Mm. So and we have no corporate in our in our LP. So this if you deal if you have to deal with corporates, mm. then yeah, you have to like explain things and this is how this is our investment philosophy, thesis, you yeah, know, this yeah. is the you know, uh, investment memo about this company. Oh, gosh. Just yeah. the effort it goes to, 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 to make an investment when you have those types of Yeah, we don't we don't want to yeah, we don't want to we don't want to sh- we don't want to spend our time to just satisfy you know, LP's ego. Yes, yes. <laughs> or their insecurities or whatever it is. Whatever it is. Right? Anyway, so this is this is so interesting because a lot of people don't don't understand who have not been involved in actually being fund managers or, or that type of stuff. They don't understand that, you know, you have a finite amount of energy, right, and time. And to be effective, you need to use that wisely. And so one of the things people ask me, for example, is okay, how come your startup studio is is set up as a non profit? It's because I don't want to I don't want 90% of my our energy focused on making the people who put money in feel good uh-huh. and comfortable, uh-huh. right? Because we should be focused on developing the innovations and building that, that capacity internally. So kind of similar, right? I mean, if you had all these LPs who are corporates, imagine all the time would be, you know, spent managing them, mm. right? So anyway, I'm totally okay. So how you structure an organization defines what you can do. So exactly. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I totally agree that uh, like being an NGO has an advantage uh, where you can focus on what you want to do right. rather than make investors happy like I made this return this month like break it even especially in the stage where we play it's very very early stage mm-hmm. right so most people are not going to even there's just too much experimentation right and experiments require space yeah. to be able to be effective anyway not this is not about me this is about what you guys are doing I just thought I'll make the connection there so so you, you kind of have this 50, now, where are you going, you, you, your ticket size has, again, moved a little bit? Yeah, so, yeah, so, yeah, going back to the ticket size, so we started with 50 to 300k, something, something, and but we just uh, did larger ticket size investment, and the largest was 
500k <coughs> and why we did that larger a bit a bit larger investment was that um though, though we started as a seed focused uh, investor mm -hmm. and also we still think we're seed focused mm -hmm. but because we made investments very quickly and then other startups who already passed seed stage Mm -hmm. Series A, Series B. They're like, hey, I like, hey, I like this. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, on top of the speed, uh, we also have a unique connections with Japanese um, investor ecosystem, okay. especially corporate investors. Mm -hmm. So we have connections with them, though they're not. None of them is our appease, but we have good connections with them. Right. So we thought that oh, maybe we could connect post Series A startups in Africa with Japanese corporates, right. so that they can invest or they can make strategic partnerships. Right. And and then some Series A, B startups like the idea. Mm -hmm. So we decided to invest in like Series A or B startup. Mm. But you know, um, it doesn't make sense uh, for Series maybe B startup who is raising 10 million to accept 50K ticket no. because it's yeah, too small, it's right? Crazy. Yeah, so for the first deal that we did, like that, when, when, when I helped uh, fundraising from Japan, mm. uh, we, we, we told them that oh, let, let us invest in you as the minimum possible okay. and then in, in exchange, so it's, it's so small, actually the, the investment, half a million was even smaller than any other investors who participated in the same round, right. but uh, they gave us an expect exception because we promised that we you would bring capability, capability yeah, and help to, yeah. And then that was the deal. And then it, it went pretty well. Mm. So I arranged a tour uh, to take them to actually physically to, to Tokyo mm. and set up uh, more than 10 meetings with them. I, w I was actually sitting in a meeting. Mm. Sometimes I have to translate you know, <laughs> the mm. conversations. And then it went well. And because it went well, there was another startup who wanted that. So, okay. Mm. Because I made the first case kind of successful, right. so I can make it even lower. Like, right. Oh, well, okay. So, you have a negotiating leverage. Yeah, leverage. <laughs> because for the first case, I actually, I myself didn't know whether it would go, go, well, go well or yeah, not. Yeah, but uh, because with the success, the first success case, I could say, like, yeah, here we go. Yeah, yeah. here we go. Right. So, for the second one, I did only like 150, and the third one, I did third one. Now it's 100. And then now, because I have three successful cases, I can say whatever, like, let me invest 10K, <laughs> but I can help you. So it's like a, like a loophole, you know, it's like a loophole. You never invent, you never expect to invest in Series B super famous startup with 10K, but it's yeah. possible for me now because I have that leverage. Yeah. You yourself. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, I love, one of the things I like about you, Rio, is you are... You, you are very entrepreneurial, you're very practical in how you think, and you also just execute. Um, and, and that is just a breath of fresh air, right? And I'm sure entrepreneurs love you for that, because I'm sure they've been, they tell you all kinds of crazy stories of being in meetings with investors and uh, for months and months and months. Uh, I've heard all kinds of crazy horror stories where, you know, somebody makes a commitment and then, uh, you know, when, you make, when, some, when an investor makes a commitment, uh, the entrepreneur says to all the other smaller investors, okay, we're just gonna go with this one. And then that, inter that investor pulls out and now you're left naked. Uh, all kinds of crazy stories. Yes. So just having you in the market, I think is transformational for this ecosystem. Uh, we just need more people like you. So again, congratulations for that. Now, let's talk a little bit about, um, you said you are entrepreneurial in your, in your approach, or actually you said that this model has been tried in Southeast Asia. 
what is the model specifically and how is it different than other models? Yep, yep. Yeah. So the name of a game that we're playing is the number. It's a number game. Numbers game. It's a numbers game, basically. And then uh, the, the, the success case we are kind of trying to replicate mm -hmm. in Eastern Africa is called East Ventures. So East Ventures. East Ventures. Yeah, Western East. Mm -hmm. So East Ventures. Okay. So East Ventures is a VC fund okay. that started in Japan. It's Japanese, purely Japanese. Okay, VC. so it's a, it's a pure Japanese. That's it's a separate fund that exists. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, it, it, I, I, okay, we have no connection. I mean, my partner knows the founders of, of okay. the East Ventures, right. but uh, East Ventures is just an independent VC fund, okay. which is one of the most successful ones in Japan, mm -hmm. and also I think the only one who is successful outside Japan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But there are so many VCs who have been in the market like more than ten years, mm -hmm. but those guys are just domestic. They just invest in Jap Japanese startups. Okay. But these guys, East Ventures, they moved out of Japan. They still invest in, in Japan, mm -hmm. but they moved out and they went to Southeastern Asia, mm -hmm. especially Singapore and okay. Indonesia. Okay. It's also because one of the founders of East Ventures is half Indonesian and okay. Japanese, right. so he had the connection in, in Indonesia. And then their investment strategy is called, but by other people, uh, no-look investment. No-look. Yeah, no-look investment. It literally means they don't look. They what? don't look at anything. Like, Are you serious? So how do they make a decision? What's uh, their... Just, they just look into the eyes of the founders. <laughs> 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 so as an, as an entrepreneur, if you want investment from East Ventures, yeah. you go into a meeting with them, yeah. and normally they make a decision within that meeting. Okay. Then even, like there's a rumor that they even disperse money before signing contract anything. Just take this money. Like, wow. I'll, I'll, we will sign later. Wow. Okay. It sounds super risky. It sounds super crazy. Right. But they are they, they are just taking an extremely different approach than other VCs who think that they can actually cheap pick the successful yeah, startups. Which is crazy. Yeah. Which is crazy, right? Mm -hmm. But so East Ventures know at least knows they know they know that they don't know which one will be successful. <laughs> right. right, right. So, they're sure of that. Yeah. They're sure. That, yeah. So they they make investments as fast as possible. And then they want to make sure that they're the first one to invest in okay. those companies. Okay. And then with, with this no-look investment philosophy, uh, they've been pretty successful okay. in Southeastern Asia. Mm -hmm. um, one of the most successful investments that they made in early days uh, is Grub, okay. the largest um, the bike uh, hailing startup. Mm -hmm. And their Grubs, I think their, their um, valuation right now is like 20 billion. It's huge. Right. It's insanely huge, and mm -hmm. they made because they are one of the first investors in mm -hmm. Grub. Mm -hmm. The the return, I think, return was like five thousand times over. Wow. Yeah, because wow. now it's mm -hmm. double digit billion. Right, right. Back then it was only maybe a million, two right. million. Right. So, so they not the idea. The idea is that they don't want to miss out opportunities. They don't want to miss out companies who may become a unicorn, mm -hmm. um, maybe in within 10 years time frame. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then, because they don't know, they, they know that they don't know right. which one will be. Which one it is, yeah. Yeah, which it is. So they just, <clears throat> their thesis is just to spray the bed. Yeah. Spray and pray. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So we are trying to, so we, and then uh, this strategy is basically driven by my partner because my partner knows the founders of East Ventures and he, my partner in Tokyo. Mm -hmm. um, knows that, that they have been pretty successful mm -hmm. so he wanted to, to replicate that replicate model, that model um, other market, in other markets mm -hmm. and then he thought that Africa would be the most most um, 
potential right. yeah market so yeah we we and and it it is a fact that there's nobody who is doing doing investment in the same way as we are doing mm-hmm. so it's experimental it's yeah. entrepreneurial you found a bridging market pretty yeah. much in terms yeah. of opportunity yeah definitely and and let's talk a little bit about that like obviously you've been interacting with other VCs or fund managers and why do you think it is that they what's the problem right okay first of all is is what have you experienced in other fund managers operating here what's the type of funds that exist here i think there are two types of uh, investors maybe three yeah but maybe yeah if i yeah if i differentiate different types of investors maybe the two types mm-hmm. basically impact driven investors mm-hmm. or maybe pure vcs mm-hmm. and impact driven um investors sometimes they are family office part of family office sometimes they're even part of ngo right yeah they don't it, if it's an ngo it's not even a fund they just have connections with donors and then they um they uh, make make an investment case by case they just you mm. know bring the case to the the group of donors so they're like a like a transaction yeah. manager advisor transaction yeah manager advisor i don't know how they make money but that kind of people yeah. you don't know how they make money <laughs> <laughs> I, I just don't know how it works maybe they get I don't know. I a just fee don't know. or something? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe okay. a fee. Maybe a fee. But um, so for for this bucket uh, of like social um, socially um, conscious conscious yeah investment. yeah investing impact investing um, <coughs> I, I think it's it's um, it's good in a sense that it's easier maybe it's easier to raise money because if it's Africa then. Like people outside Africa think, still think that oh, it's social problems, poverty, you know, sanitation, job creation. So there are monies you can tap into once you put the capital. Yeah, yeah. Once you put the label of we are social. Yeah, social. Yeah. Yeah, impact. You yeah. can access that money. Right? Yeah, yeah. So the access to money uh, outside Africa, mm-hmm. like if you put impact on your on your table, I think it's it's good. Mm-hmm. I think, but also it gives you restrictions because you have to be picky about. Uh, like impact metrics right? Yeah, right. and then it also gives a lot of headache to entrepreneurs I think because mm-hmm. in a DD process there has to be a list of impact metrics right, to be monitored check off to get check off right yeah. oh you guys because you are doing a bit of manufacturing you have to hire like 100 people next year right. whatever right. Um, and also that ends up a longer DD process too because right. it's not even about economics it's uh, about this other kind of metrics. That metrics. Vanity met- it's weird. Yeah. It's a bit vanity. It's, 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 it's not, oh God, it's actually, it's molasses. It's, it's, it's quicksand for the entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. It's, again, taking the energy from what they're supposed to be focused on, which is maybe growing the business and meeting all these other kind of expectations that are, you know, adjacent to the real mission of the business, right? Yeah. So even if you look at, even if you look at the, the cost to report on those metrics, reporting costs, yeah. reporting costs after you uh, receive investment, yeah. I think it would be, I mean, it's, it's, it's heavy. It's heavy. It, it yeah. could be heavy. It could right. be heavy. Right. Uh, and another bucket is mm-hmm. maybe PLVCs. Mm-hmm. I think they are, they are faster, mm-hmm. uh, maybe simpler, depending on the structure. Mm-hmm. As long as they don't have any corporate, I mean, yeah, but most of them have corporate VC, corporate LPs. Mm. But um, because they don't have impact um, metrics that mm. they have to follow, mm. um, the decision um, should be um, 
faster, more faster, efficient. faster, more efficient. Mm -hmm. But um, I feel pure VCs are now, as of now, pure VCs are more on the later stage, maybe Series A or B, mm -hmm. because they want to make sure the economics work, especially unit economics right. works. And also, they are their deal, they are structured to do bigger ticket sizes. Maybe it doesn't um, make sense for them to do fifty k. Probably uh, some of them do like hundred k, but yeah, maybe yeah, they they tend to be structured in such a way that they have to look for larger deals. Okay. Yeah, so as I see it, maybe uh, we have pure VCs on the later side, post Series A, and for the seed or maybe until pre Series A, mm. we have impact. Mm. So okay. it's it's not much in the reality of the need from entrepreneurs, right? Because it's actually it's actually there's a mismatch because right. uh, entrepreneurs on this end like seed stage mm -hmm. they quicker cash right. and also they don't have they don't have much to show they don't have much to show yeah metrics reporting yes yeah. it's yeah. just you, they can say anything but <laughs> <laughs> it can be back and forth like yeah if you say so like i would do sanitation but yeah and then season <laughs> b they are more ready to like do lengthy DD process and then they have more to show, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But funny enough, if you're on the supply side, the investor side, mm -hmm. pure VC takes a shorter, like simpler approach, mm -hmm. and then impact VCs take longer. Mm -hmm. So it's not matching. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So the people who need faster money are not uh, 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 bogged down by slow money, yes, like the yes. impact money, yes. right? Which is the seed stage and, and and that level, and the people who can move faster. Right, uh, entrepreneurs can't even get to that because they can't even get past the seed stage. Yeah. Is that what's happening? Yeah, so there's yeah. a bottleneck here. Very kind of bottleneck. So, for seed, my belief is that you have to be fast. Totally. Yeah, you have to be fast because, like, the only asset that seed stage startups have yes. is time. time. <laughs> and they're running out of it. <laughs> they're running out of it every day. Yeah. So I don't want to. I don't want to bother them in yeah. the first place. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there has to be faster money, and well, yeah, we have to we have to change this structure right. like so, uh, sooner than later, right? Because right now mm -hmm. it's okay even for pure VC sitting on the later stage to have this. They they are not they are not like afraid of uh, running out of deals because at least Who? they have the late stage late stage guys. You know, okay. uh, it's okay for them. Mm -hmm. But in the long run, if you don't grow the beginning of the cycle. Yeah, it's gonna run out. It's gonna run out because they, it's like there's nobody who plants seeds here. Exactly. Yeah, the seeds are there. Nobody who's watering it. Right. Yeah, there are seeds, but the soil is just dried up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then there are guys who is reaping, you know, right. who, who is putting fertilizers, you right. know. Then right. they think that, okay, uh, the nursery, the nursery is, nursery phase is, is, is working. They, they assume that nursery phase is working. Do they really assume this? You think the, fund, the late stage fund managers, do they feel they have a good pipeline? Do the series A and B funds feel like they are enough pipeline? I think they, they are still fine because the number of funds, uh, like, but after series B, it's, it's now private a little bit congested. Yeah, private equity. But it's funny that private equity guys now are going down to exactly. yeah. I've seen that, yeah. So actually I, I felt a strong pressure uh, from um, VC guys in the Series A and Series B, uh, um, that they want to, they have to go down to mm, C stage. Yeah. So I think yeah, now there's a good market force. 
uh, to push uh, these guys faster, like proper professional money, right. to go down to riskier uh, stage, which is seed, right. so that they can water right. <laughs> seeds. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. And and just roughly speaking, you know, how many pure VCs are there in the market? I mean, you've been probably exposed to this numbers most recently. Do you have a sense in Nairobi how many? In Nairobi, um, for impact. Who can invest? Maybe fifty or hundred for seed. Wow, fifty. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, for for fifty oh, k. Fifty k. Yeah. So for 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 in terms of the receipts, we can do fifty or hundred k investment. Mm-hmm. I think one, two. And I should have asked you this before you came. Uh, yeah, maybe five. Yeah, five, five or six. Five or six. I know mm-hmm. that is active. Mm-hmm. And then the post series A, maybe ten or something. Okay. I've heard of. Right. So it's a very small, it's a very small, small, small yeah. tiny wow. circle. And since you and I talked about this a little, a little bit before, uh, another thing that you, you mentioned that is both a frustration to us, where there's more talk than action, right? Like people kind of congregate around these panels and talk about what should be happening, blah, blah, blah. You know, what's your view on that? You know, what, what, what causes that? Or, you know, what, what's your perspective on that? I had panels. <laughs> I had panels even from our, you know, um, participants' perspective. Like it's not interactive in the yeah. first place. And it's all very manufactured and weird. It's not. It's not yeah. organic, eh? It's not organic, and then uh, the, the conversation has uh, tends to be very shallow. Uh, it depends on the, the facilitator, but right. the facilitator because it has to be good. It has to be very good. Like has to be the insider right. of that market. Otherwise, the questions are like stupid. Like, <laughs> And then I, I, I hate the notion, like, I don't know, it's not a notion, but I hate a, like, a mindset that if you're a panelist, you're kind of better than the audience. Oh. <laughs> I know better than you. I can teach you, like, oh, ask me anything. Oh, yeah, you have to do that that way. <laughs> right. So do you find there's a lot of panels in events in, in, in Nairobi, the more than there should be? Or what, what's your perspective on that? Actually, I, I, I even had to attend conferences. So I, I, rarely, I rarely attend conferences. But um, yeah, I feel that are... I, I'm not sure about whether there has to be more or less conferences, conference opportunities. Right. But um, so far, I don't see a, a lot of value coming out of those conferences, conferences or events. Because right. again, it doesn't necessarily translate into outcomes. practice. Yeah, outcomes of practice. So, and I think our belief is that if we want to show something, we have to show by example. So exactly. We, exactly. That's not why, talking. Not talking. So that's why we just focus on making investments. That's right. why we, like crazily. Shut like, up and put up. That's it. Yeah, shut up and just do the investment. And then whether I was right, like we are right or not, uh, can be testified by the result. Right. If we lose money from our fund, we are wrong. Right. But you, you, you can discuss whether our approach is right or not, but who knows? Right. Yeah. Right. Maybe in three years' time, yeah, time will tell. Right. So, and that's all about entrepreneurship. You, know, you can just draw a diagram about customer journey and everything, but who knows? Who knows? Nobody yeah, knows. who knows? You only know the truth when you implement it and then you get hurt. <laughs> so, we are ready to get hurt, yeah. but at least, like, we want to act, we want to do. So, that's, that's, and then we, and I don't. I personally don't have time to talk much on on a panel, and sh- because it doesn't it doesn't help me to make deals. <laughs> <laughs> <Love it. laughs> 
right? So we haven't even gotten to your background, and this is phenomenal. So in the last 11 months, how many deals have you looked at? How many entrepreneurs have you met with? I think more than, I, I even stopped counting, mm-hmm. but maybe 200 something. 200. Yeah. That's an insane pace. That's about how many a month? 20? 20 a month, yeah. But you know, I did a lot in the in the mm-hmm. first yeah in the first like two even before so december was the time when we made a first investment okay. and i came to kenya in august okay so, so between that time i started to like meeting with investors and then before december i already met like 60 or something mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. within three months or something so mm-hmm. that was the intense part of it wow yeah so yeah, when I when I came here, first came here because I did I had no connection, mm-hmm. zero. Mm-hmm. And again, uh, remember I was not a VC investor or anything. I'm a, I'm a novice, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to build my connection first yeah. Yeah. to to your yeah, network mm-hmm. to build my pipeline. Mm-hmm. So what I did was <clears throat> I did a one on one investor session at three co working spaces. Okay. I have a night lab and a night garage, okay. and I met with about like fifteen uh, startups in a day and right. three days in a row. So I met with like 45 investors in three days. So that was the starting point. And then I picked 45 up- 45 entrepreneurs. Yeah, 45 entrepreneurs. Yeah, 45 teams, I would say. Okay. Um, so I, um, so that was the starting point. And then from there, maybe on average, I can meet with like 10 or more than that. So yeah, that's why I don't even count, but maybe obviously more than a hundred. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. wow. And so then you make your first investment in January? Or in December. December. In yeah. December, okay. So what is the, uh, craziest <laughs> entrepreneur story you've ever met in terms of you, you told me some very interesting story. Oh, I don't know if you can remember that. So, meeting all these people, you meet all kinds of different uh, experiences of people who want money to, to build their ideas. What is the craziest one you've ever met that, that, that you Yeah, so this is, uh, I think, reflective of the reality of this. So, I will talk about one, one entrepreneur, yeah. and then this is reflective of the reality of the startup ecosystem in, in Africa. Mm-hmm. In, in, in a kind of negative way. Mm-hmm. So I think I think Kenya or Africa as a whole um, has kind of a premature startup ecosystem. Mm-hmm. But I have a I am a big believer of mm-hmm. this ecosystem because if you look at the top notch guys, mm-hmm. it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. They are super smart, super experienced, like they're rock stars basically. Mm-hmm. They're like as as individuals they're like wow high in the sky. You know, <laughs> I, I I respect them. Like, oh I want to work for you. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's one side of it. Right. But if you look at the bottom, and what percentage is that? Uh, maybe five percent. Five percent. Yeah. So out of the two hundred you've seen, five percent is of two hundred is uh, what is this? It's like it's 10? ten. Ten. Yeah. So there's ten people out of two hundred who are like, ah, yeah, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, maybe more. Than, I read it. Yeah, yeah. Maybe more than that. But right. I mean, to five percent in the whole ecosystem, right. probably. Yeah. Right. But um, I'd say the deals I have are already kind of filtered out because right. I don't reach out to. I stopped doing that kind of event because right. it doesn't help. I I will touch on that. Right. Why I stop it? Right. But um. So now I only get deals through my network, okay. especially from, from the entrepreneurs that I have already already invested in. Right. So they only bring the best of best deals. So now, you're not, so now you're not seeing a lot of volume, which is... Actually pretty, yeah, it's, it, it, it's going down. The volume, it's not going down, but yeah, I, I don't have a huge volume of deals that come to me, yeah. but uh, maybe the, the deals, the quality of the deals that I see is more like... It's uh, better. It's better, like 20, top 20% of the whole ecosystem. That's so, awesome. yeah. yeah. But so yeah, the story, the story mm-hmm. was, so when I was doing a one-on-one event at, I think it was at IHUB, 
Okay. So I was meeting with 15 startups, and then there was a startup about like startup log- uh, sorry e-commerce logistics. E-commerce logistics. logistics. So yeah. I so before the event, like I asked everybody to give give me the pitch deck so that I can have an idea right. to come up with uh, right questions. Right. And then the pitch deck started with a preliminary statement saying that like, there's a bottleneck with logistics for e-commerce. Mm-hmm. E-commerce is going to boom, right. but logistics is a bottleneck. So right. I will fix it. Uh-huh. I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> so far so good. Yeah. So far so good. Well, like. I give you a hundred score <laughs> to you so far. It's like number one. Yeah, number one. Yeah. And then I okay, so I will maybe ask like how he wants to fix it and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. So I went into the meeting and a guy like talked about the program again and I I was fascinated. Like, oh, you're right. right. Yeah, e-commerce is there. The e-commerce penetration is too small. There's room for expansion, mm-hmm. and then obviously there has to be someone to fix the logistic bit because I also had personal experiences with Jumia. Which whose delivery is totally broken, mm-hmm. so I wanted somebody to fix it, and then he he moved on to the solution part. Okay. And I, he told he told me yeah so he he dug deep uh, the problem mm-hmm. why logistics is not working for yeah. e-commerce. Which you didn't need that because you already knew kind of but anyway yeah yeah. yeah yeah and then he he said that oh because um, the logistic so the the quality of logistic provider providers. Uh, is not good. Okay. That's why you see like bounced delivery mm-hmm. or late delivery mm-hmm. or sometimes theft by drivers. Mm-hmm. So it's risky mm-hmm. and it's risky to rely on those providers right. even for e-commerce platform. Okay. okay. So what, what, would, what do you offer? What's the solution? Yeah. A, what's the solution? And he told me that, hey, so I, I came up with this idea. I, I, I have a van to deliver and I put Doberman <laughs> onto the Onto the van. A Doberman? The dog? The dog. Yeah, Doberman the dog. Because it's about safety. So if I put Doberman, like I can avoid theft. From, <laughs> from fools. <laughs> from, from maybe attackers. <laughs> so, so wait a minute. So the problem was that delivery people were stealing the products or... The His product. assumption was maybe yeah, delivery people is stealing or breaking the product. So Doberman is sitting next to the, the parcel so that he can, the Doberman can bark or bite. <laughs> The drivers, hey, these are customers. Don't steal it. Otherwise, I will bite you. So, so, so I'm a driver, and I have a parcel. Yeah. And there's a Doberman that comes with a parcel. And yeah. the Doberman is to protect the parcel from yeah. me. No, not even one parcel. Like a lot of parcels. Oh, yeah. so so it's a, a truck. Okay, it's a truck. Yeah, I don't know the ratio. Like one Doberman gets like hundred parcels. <laughs> So I, 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 I named that startup Doberman Startup. <laughs> so how long was this meeting? When did you realize it, you're in a comedy? <laughs> like after five minutes. But the meeting like lasted for more than an hour because it heated up. Like I, I told him like, hey, I don't think Doberman can solve this issue. <laughs> he, was like, he was like, no, we're like Doberman is a solution. Okay. He became okay. a Doberman. He became, yeah. <laughs> And he became a Doberman to me, like he was about to bite me. And then, and then I, 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 okay, I said like, okay, okay, let's say Doberman is not a solution. But even if it's not a solution, I think it's easy to just hire a Doberman. It's just, it's just a train dog, right? Right, right? Like, don't you think so? And then he said like, no, like hire a Doberman needs connection. <laughs> you need to have a good connection with security companies. And it's only me who can do that. <laughs> okay. So the debates heated so much, and then I was like, wow. wow. 
So it's not. It's so. I, I'm not. I'm not making fun of this startup process. But what I, I am making fun of it. This yeah. is a funny story. Yeah. <laughs> but but what I wanted to say from this experience is mm. that mm. like the uh, the le- the quality of startup in this ecosystem is pretty broad. Like you have the vast range. Vast range from Doberman from Doberman to solution and then top stars like it, like you have top stars like Sandy and Copa those guys brilliant guys. But you also have Doberman, who who most likely doesn't even understand what a startup is. So yeah, what I want to say is, <laughs> you you meet with companies um, that call themselves startup, mm, but they're they're a small business. They're just small business. They don't even think about the program properly, or they don't even think about scalability. Mm. They just find some opportunity mm. like on the street and pick it up. <laughs> And then try copy to fix, paste. yeah, copy and paste, or just find a find something that seems like a problem and try to fix it with a with a strange hammer or something. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, that's, that's my experience. So I, I I think so from since then I thought that uh, it doesn't make sense for me to reach out to startups right. because you don't know whether this is even a startup or not. Right. Yeah. <laughs> startup by name only. Right? Startup by name only. Right. Like deep in, like inside. It's 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 just a it's not even I don't know. It's just right. it's just a fun comedy. Right. right. And so now you've kind of improved your process where you're using your network yep. of entrepreneurs who you've invested in to to bring in quality. Yeah. Right? So I didn't even like um I didn't even like plan to utilize or plan to structure the, the startups I invested as as network mm. it just came out naturally because right. the my approach I think is different in terms <laughs> of speed in terms of the post investment interaction right. so it was just natural that all the entrepreneurs in my network just naturally offer like he did just keep offering yeah, they keep them. sending people right? yes yeah, and people like people uh, you, know, you should talk to this guy yeah. and stuff yeah, yeah. and yeah. It, it's working pretty well that's awesome yeah and um, I guess you know Maybe we talk a little bit about your, your background right now since we've kind of covered a lot of your experience and, and what work you do. So how did you end up in Africa? What was your trajectory, right? Background, obviously born and raised in Japan, start from your uh, college experience, work experience to get a some sense of that. Yeah, so I, I'm Japanese. Mm-hmm. I was born in, um, raised in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Actually, I've never lived in any other parts of Japan. <laughs> yeah, I'm a pure Tokyo guy. So mm-hmm. it might be a bit weird um, as a Tokyo guy. It's a fascinating but, city. Yeah, it's a fascinating city. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I spent my first 20 years in Tokyo. But um, when I was uh, at the second year at college, I decided to go to Africa. Mm-hmm. I, was just, I was just interested in, in seeing what's going on in Africa. Right. Uh, I, I read after I entered college. I happened to read a lot of books about Africa, mm. and I I was kind of shocked by the like all the differences between my country and Africa, mm. and everything that was discussed like in a country like Japan, which is far from Africa, mm. is all about poverty, mm-hmm. civil war, mm. like. For example, Strife. I, yeah, problems. yeah, programs, yeah. For example, I read a book about like Sierra, Sierra Leone Civil War. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, a, crazy that's a crazy one, right? Yeah. So I just wanted to see like 
Oh, with a with a, it's is it true, right? Wow. Yeah. So. So you didn't get scared by this. You actually got attracted to the. Yeah, the I, chaos. I got attracted. Yeah, I got attracted to to that. I mean, it, it also like resonated maybe my uh, upbringing a little okay. bit because okay. I was born in a single mother family. Right. Yeah. Uh, my 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 parents divorced when I was twelve years old, mm -hmm. and I had two siblings. <coughs> so my mother and my mother <laughs> is not even. She she was basically working part time and stuff. So we are pretty. Yeah, uh, we are in, in a very um, humble has household okay. financially, right. so it kind of resonated with my upbringing. Right. And also, I thought that like I was, and then because I, I was raised in such a poor family, mm -hmm. uh, I didn't have much many choices in mm -hmm. terms of like high school or college. Mm -hmm. Is there like a differentiation in Japan where there are better high schools and? Yes, I mean, I mean, if, if you want to go to the best high school, it's a private school, you have to pay like very expensive, okay. which we couldn't afford at all. Right. So what so, is the average education quality like, the average kind of high school? Uh, I, I think, so the good thing about Japan is like everybody is used to be middle class. Okay. So anything in society, like it's middle class. You cannot, right. like as a, as a member of Japanese society, you can access anything in the middle level. Right. So even, even in high school education, as long as you perform better in terms of study, you can you can get in maybe public high school, which is not too bad. So I but I couldn't yeah, so my family couldn't even afford public school. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so um, I had to go to a private school uh, that offered me full scholarship. Oh, okay. Yeah. But there was only a handful. And then the reason why these schools these schools with full scholarship gives full scholarship is that the average um, academic level is not not that high. Mm. You know they want to get a better level students. Ah, you know so they, they, they bring they give you a scholarship to improve the level. Improve the level, right? Okay. If it's the top notch, they don't need to give like scholarship because the brightest student just go there and pay. Right. So um, so I went to a high school which is even below the average. So mm -hmm. yeah, my high school my high school is actually really. It's a very low-level high school. Mm -hmm. Like people would, sup would be surprised mm -hmm. if I say the name of the high school. <laughs> yes. In Japan, at least. In Japan, in Tokyo. Know. In Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. Actually, nobody. It's, 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 a, it's a high school. Like nobody knows. Wow. Yeah, okay. nobody. It's it's but known. Tokyo is so big. I mean, do people know high schools? Are there brands like that? Are yeah, there are brands. Yeah, there are totally brands. Like yeah. there are some high in Tokyo. There are three um, top-notch um, boys high schools. Okay. And then like rich families always, you know. Take their kids. Yeah. Out. Um, scramble for those high schools. Wow. So obviously my high school is just out of that bubble. Right. Like right. it's just like something. It's just a small stone on on the street or something. <laughs> <laughs> and then so I I, I felt that I was kind of disadvantaged. Mm -hmm. Like I I thought like until twenty years old I I, I thought that it's unfair. Mm -hmm. Like why am I suffering? No, mm -hmm. not suffering, but why am I suffering financially? Right. Why don't I have Opportunities or options right. that my classmates have because of money, right. and in Japan it's pretty normal to go to cram school. Okay, after school, um, like it's a it's a private school after school. Okay. To especially prepare for um, college examinations. Okay, to, to like to study. Study, yeah. So people after after after, after like after three p.m. four p.m. Okay, you cool. go to cram school okay. and then you spend like four hours, additional four hours, five ah. hours there every day. Like that's what normal Japanese people do. But holy cow, is that a crazy work ethic? It's, it's crazy, it's just crazy. Yeah. I, I hear Korea is crazier, but Japan is also crazy. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and then, 
So, but again, because my family didn't even have money to send me to high school, mm -hmm. of course, there's no money for cram school. So you have to pay for that also. I mean, I didn't. So I just studied at home. Okay. Yeah. So every. So what's the point of going to a cram school if you can study at home? What's the idea? The, so because the cram school, because cram school gives you like a lot of, I don't know, it's there are a lot of like examination tactics. Okay. You know, specific to the university you want to go to. I see. And then for you to access that tactics, you know, you have to go to cram school. Okay. And if you are alone, like. It's, yeah, it's, harder. it's harder. So yeah, so I just so I just studied by myself, and then I just felt it's unfair. Like why why don't I have money to do that? Yeah. yeah so but um, after I entered college and I, uh, by reading books about mm. Africa, mm. I I started to feel a, a bit ashamed. Mm. You know because mm. I thought that I was I was in an underprivileged you know, situation. But if you look at what's happening outside Japan, like wow, yeah, it's like, not even comparable. Yeah, 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 it's it's totally different. Like if you, what happened to Rwanda, what happened to Sierra Leone, what's happening to Central Africa, right. everywhere, like wow, it's crazy. Right. So I felt a bit ashamed that I'm I'm under under privileged. Actually, I'm privileged. I have a lot of privileges. But I didn't just by living in Japan. But just, just by living in Japan, yeah. I didn't realize that. So mm -hmm. I felt ashamed, and then I just got like. I just got this idea that I have to see it. Okay. Yeah. And then I was looking for opportunities because I've ne I have never lived outside Japan. Right. So I, I was I started to look for opportunities to live in Africa, and I found this program by Japanese Ministry of Foreign Affairs to send young people to Japanese embassies all over the world. Right. And then I applied for that, and then I told them that like any Africa country is fine, just mm. take me to Africa. Mm. And then they picked me. How old were you at that time? Twenty years old. Okay. Yeah. Mm. When I was taking exam, I was nineteen years old, and mm. then when I went there, I became twenty years old. Okay. So they picked me for Botswana. Mm -hmm. So I went to Botswana mm -hmm. in 2008. Okay. So that's the time when I started the, the interaction with Africa. Exposure to Africa. Exposure to Africa. Mm -hmm. And I spent two years in, in Botswana. Mm -hmm. It was pretty good experience mm -hmm. for me. Mm -hmm. First of all, it was my first time to live, live in a foreign country. Mm -hmm. Everything is different and all my colleagues are Botswana, local Botswana people. Yeah. And my English was not that good right. at that point, so I struggled to communicate. So that was also pretty good because you couldn't experience a situation where you cannot make yourself understood right, if you were in Japan for the first time. Like you, I felt like I'm I'm totally stupid. Like every word I say, like people don't understand. <laughs> I'm a baby. <laughs> so it's a great experience. But even aside from that, um, I just. So my experience in Botswana broke my perception that Africa is like it's just um, with poverty and right, stuff. Right. Uh, I just realized that oh, it's different. Actually, it's diverse. Mm. If you go to different places in Africa, different aspects, mm. different economic situations. Mm. Botswana is one of the exceptional countries in terms of uh, political and economic development in yeah. history. Right. So it was pretty fascinating. Like oh. Actually, Botswana is uh, sorry. Africa is not just about poverty right. or civil war. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then um, before I finished my term in Botswana, which was in twenty ten, I had a chance to come to Kenya too. Okay. In March twenty ten, mm -hmm. there was a um, diplomatic event uh, by Japanese ministry uh, to send a Japanese prince at that time, who is oh. the emperor now. What's his name? Hirohito? Yeah. Hirohito, yes. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. I think. If you don't know your <laughs> I think it's Hirohito, that sounds familiar. It's, yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. maybe Hirohito. Oh, if, wow. Oh my God. What a, what a shame. Because <laughs> <laughs> they, they changed that. 
that the emperor, you know, uh, that new emperor succeeded only yeah, yeah, only yeah, five months like, ago. Yeah, I remember that. Year, yeah. Big ceremony. I think Hirohito. Yeah. Anyway, he's here. Hirohito is the new emperor. That time he was a prince, and then it was the first time for any imperial family of Japan to visit. African countries, oh, wow. yeah. So it was a very epic um, event, mm. and then um, he was the, the prince was accompanied by about a hundred officers from Japan. Wow. Yeah, he came in state jet. Yeah, state jet with Japanese flags, direct directly from Japan to to Jomo Kenyatta, uh -huh. and they picked Kenya and Ghana as two destinations for the trip. Okay. And then because the trip was so large. Uh, in terms of logistics, mm. so Japanese embassy in Kenya couldn't handle it, of mm. course, because there was only like 10 people, mm. so they um, needed help from other embassies. Got and it. then I was uh, invited to that event, and then I spent two weeks for the preparation, and it was pretty exciting experience on its own, but at the same time I had a chance to like walk around, you know, interact with people here in Kenya, and then it was, it was amazing. It's amazing, especially because my experience in Botswana. Mm -hmm. Botswana and Kenya are two different. Contrasting. Yeah, contrasting. The contrast was so just astonishing. Because right. uh, Botswana is one of the most, like, people call it a success for like, African country in terms of politics and economy. But at the same time, it's a very small country. Mm -hmm. Population is only 2 million. And the capital city only has 200,000 people. Which is a small town. It's Kirimani. Like, <laughs> it's Kirimani. Kirimani has a capital city. You can <laughs> imagine. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, it's spread out, right? Yeah. So when I came here, though I came from a city, uh, that one of the largest cities in the world, which is Tokyo. So 80 million? Uh, we have 130 million people. 130 million. Uh, no, 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 like blown away by the energy um, here and right. also chaos. Yeah, yeah. So since then I wanted wanted to do something, especially business, by myself. So that was that became my like focus. Mm -hmm. um, and then so after Kenya I left Botswana and went back to Japan. And again I was still a college student, so I had still I had another two years to go. So I finished two years in Tokyo. And then I joined a company called Mitsui. Mm. Mitsui is our um, Japanese um, investment and also trading company, one of the biggest companies in Japan. Mm. And I spent, uh, and I joined Mitsui because I wanted to do businesses in Africa okay. and they have exposure to Africa. And then I joined their mining team. So, mining team, basically, what mining team does is to acquire mining assets, be it uh, exploration rights of deposit, operational rights. Or even acquiring mining companies itself, or mining uh, buying refineries, or maybe some ancillary like logistics companies, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I was involved in several mergers and acquisition deals in Africa, so I was happy with that because I wanted to do projects in Africa. Right. But it was exciting. The last deal I was doing was in South Africa. We are trying to acquire the largest manganese mine in the world. Largest manganese. Manganese mine. Okay. Yeah, manganese. Uh, manganese mining company. Mm -hmm. It's called Samanko, mm -hmm. and there was the deal was pretty large. Uh, the company's value was two billion, and we are trying to acquire that company. Wow! Yeah, so, so it's a two billion dollar deal. Two billion dollar deal. Yeah, but we are trying to acquire forty percent of 
two okay. million, but mm-hmm. but it's still eight hundred million. Mm-hmm. And I was the project manager for that, so okay. I could even make like eight hundred million years of investment. So it was pretty exciting. Right. But at the same time, towards the end of the deal, I felt it's so boring. Mm. It's so boring because the people I interacted with are just invest bankers. Investment bankers talking to investment bankers. Yeah, investment bankers talking to investment bankers. And also those guys who we are interacting with are just sitting in the in the beautiful offices in UK, Australia. Wow. You know I mean? like, very abstracted from the situation. Very abstracted. I, I didn't even have a chance to see the, the workers in, in the mind. Right. But those are the people who make business. Right. But what we what I can talk to or just yeah, yeah, the people in the ivory towers, crazy. ivory towers, you know, and they just talk about multiple, you know, like terminal value. Wow, it's oh, just uh, it's too abstract. Like it's just it's just a game, you know. Yeah. So I thought that oh maybe this is not something that I want to do okay. for my entire for my entire life. Yeah. So I decided to quit, mm-hmm. and then I quit. Uh, then um, I thought I could uh, move directly to to Africa, but I was not. Quite confident, but I was scared. I think uh, whether I can do something by myself. So I just, as an excuse, I just went to business school, like a typical <laughs> motivation for any people with MBA. So I went to UC Berkeley for my MBA, and then I spent two years there, and I was basically thinking about business ideas, and then. Uh, just before the end of the MBA, I came up with an idea to do in Africa, and then I was raising money for that idea, which I'm running right now. Right. The company is called Creation. It's a fintech startup. Mm-hmm. I'm running it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was raising money last year. Last year, much. Mm-hmm. I was raising money for Creation mm-hmm. or Pre-Seed. Mm-hmm. And then I was meeting with investors in Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And then among them was my current partner for the fund. Mm-hmm. So I was basically pitching my idea and then he so said, basically you're an entrepreneur pitching uh, to an investor. Yeah, pitching to an investor. Yeah. And then I'm pitching it and then he said, Oh wow, your your background is great. And I, I like your idea. So mm-hmm. I thought like I can get investment from him. And then he said, like, by the way, mm-hmm. I have something to pitch to you. <laughs> <laughs> and then he started to talk about this idea of doing VC investment in Africa. Uh-huh. So he flipped the, the purpose the of the meeting and then <laughs> you have to do it with me. <laughs> And then I was confused, like, uh, are you investing in me or like, what's happening here? <laughs> what's happening here? <laughs> and I told him that I'm not, I was not quite sure whether I want to and I can do that because my focus is to, to build a company. Yeah. And he said, oh, it's okay, it's okay. Take your time. So let's meet in two months' time. Mm. So we met uh, after two months. Mm. And then I was just telling him that uh, uh, about um, my fundraising for my startup. Mm. And then, okay, he was like, okay, okay, oh, that's great, that's great. Mm-hmm. And then he again, halfway through, mm-hmm. uh, told me that, by the way, did you think about the fund? Right. And I told him, oh, I'm still thinking about it because I'm doing fundraise. You right. know? And then he told me, okay, okay, <clears throat> then let's do it because I have already raised money for you. <laughs> <laughs> wow. And then what? Like, how much did you raise? I raised three million dollars for you. Mm. So why don't you do it? And then, by the way, I used your name as an investment manager already. <laughs> <laughs> you have no choice. Oh yeah, I have no choice. I didn't say yes or anything, but he, had, he, he just maybe he just he was just confident that I would join. Right. <laughs> so I had no choice to join. 
And then I was lucky enough that I already got some soft commitment uh, mm. for my startup too. So I knew that I would move to Kenya anyway. Okay. So if I move to Kenya physically, then yeah, maybe I could manage both. Mm-hmm. Though I had no confidence, mm-hmm. but I just, yeah, just try it out. So I moved here last August mm. and that's how, and now, now, where, now I'm where I am. Yeah. That's awesome. What a great story. I mean, like I said, you know, the first time I met you, I was like this, because you know, you hear a lot of, uh, there's a lot of activity and people come into the ecosystem and everybody usually is, you know, people who've been around for a while uh, are super skeptical. I, even when I moved back, you know, people are super skeptical. Oh, this is another person who's returned from the US. So there's always this kind of like, and I think it's because people are, they're tired, you know, they're tired of people coming in and promising that they're going to make a difference and make a change. Um, a lot of times people just come in and cycle back out or don't do anything that they promised. So, you know, when I met you the first time, I wasn't sure what to expect. Um, and when I, we just started, I was like, this is uh, an amazing, this is exactly what we need in the, in the investors in, in, our, in our market. Uh, just people who are down to earth, people who are very practical, people who are, have a genuine good intention and they follow through, then just not talk. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, if you look at the VC world and the startup world, there's so many power dynamics, right? And the investor is always kind of like the person in control, right? As a, as a power. And it, 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 especially in Africa, right? Because Africa, again, you know, people are starting from a uh, disadvantaged position in a lot of senses. And they, the entrepreneurs uh, are much less empowered, right? And so we need people who are not going to be about the bullshit. They're going to be about results. And I am so excited about what you're doing. I don't know if you understand. Um, maybe you currently do right now because you've been around for, for long enough, but you are changing the game. You have completely moved the goalpost by the way you're moving in the market and you're, going, you're forcing the market to actually shift. Because before, you know, a VC could say, this is how you should do it and you've got to do due diligence and reporting metrics and all this other stuff because there was no comparison. There was no comparable. And then you come in and here you are, two guns slinging, just shooting it down. And now they have no excuses, right? Something has to shift. Um, and so, so I'm, I'm very excited about what you're doing and I, I can't, uh, I just look forward to kind of working with you more uh, and, and being as helpful as I can. I'm sure we'll, we'll do great things together. So thank you so much for coming to the podcast. This will be a blessing to, to the ecosystem. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for the warm